Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, my co-host Michael is with me as always. Uh, I'm going to do the recap this week, so I'll uh, get right into it. Um, uh, not a good week for the Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, we, I feel like we've been saying that a lot lately. Yes, but, I'm in theme of late. Yes, indeed. But it um, was not a very good week again. Um, started out in Winnipeg against the Jets, and uh, the Blackhawks gave up a goal immediately within, like, the first five minutes. I mean, shocker, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they gave up another goal, but a 2 nothing. But they did battle back a little bit in this game. Um, they uh, scored to make it 2-1, to one, and um, then the Winnipeg scored again, of course. It was a real seesaw affair. By the end, uh, it was 6-5 to five in favor of Winnipeg, and the Blackhawks made a pretty strong effort at the end. I mean, it was 6-4, and they got it to 6-5, and they threw a lot at uh, Winnipeg, but the Jets were able to hold on. Uh, and then uh, the next game was Saturday against Nashville, and again, the Blackhawks gave up a goal pretty much right off the bat. They actually gave up three goals in the uh, first five minutes of this game. Uh, they did score to make it 3-1, to one, and then... Uh, Nashville scored again to make it four to one, and you, we got a big dose of "I like it, I love it," and I did not like it. But welcome to Nashville. Uh, the rest of the game, Nashville really laid off. They didn't really press the attack the rest of the game, and the Blackhawks did. You know, they they carried the play probably the last period and a half, but all they could get was one more goal, and they ended up uh, losing five to two with the empty netter. Then on Sunday, they returned home to play the Calgary Flames, and uh, Flames scored again, but this, it was real progress. They didn't score until about halfway through the first period, so uh, the Blackhawks did score uh, to even it up uh, fairly quickly to make it 1-1, and then totally super useful player Chris Kunitz uh, brutally elbowed a Flames player and got a five-minute penalty and was ejected from the game. And, of course, the Flames scored twice in that uh, five-minute penalty to make it 3-1 to one Flames. Dylan Strom scored a goal, though, to make it 3-2, to two, and despite a very furious Blackhawk effort to tie the game, uh, Flames goalie Mike Smith held out, including one like incredible save against um, Artem Anisimov, where he just kind of threw his leg up in an em- towards an empty net and Black the puck, but again the Blackhawks lost three to two. So it was three games, three losses, and I mean, let's face it, uh, it is tanking time now. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, um, I think I saw that the Blackhawks have only won like three of their last eighteen games, or something like that, and they've only won like five or six games in regulation the entire season. So, yeah, we, 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 we've, we've gone beyond the point of, of uh, serious uh, playoff consideration at this point. Um, they, are, they have the second worst record um, as far as uh, um, percentage of points uh, per game in the league. So 
we're still seeing a lot of the same issues that have cropped up over the last couple of weeks as they've transitioned to the Colleton area era, excuse me, Colleton era uh, with the change in the defensive structure from zone. Well, Quenville had kind of gone to a zone man hybrid this year uh, as opposed to his traditional zone, but we're going to a, 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 a more strictly um, man-to-man system under Colleton and, uh, there's been uh, usually uh, three or four pretty bad breakdowns per game uh, as they've uh, kind of gone through this here. A lot of them off the rush, but still some in the just in the straight defensive zone setups during cycles and stuff. So it's uh, yeah. Um, occasionally Crawford has been able to build them out, but and at least make the games close, but it's it's pretty much falling apart at this point uh there's no saviors or anything on the horizon uh i mean the blackhawks have actually been one of the more healthy teams in the league and they're still not able to compete so yeah i mean you're 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 at the point where you're looking for progress in certain areas you're hoping to identify particular players that can uh, lead you into the coming years and start looking at uh, potentially selling off some spare parts if possible. Although some of the guys that you had, some of the veterans that you had hoped would uh, provide some value in that direction have really struggled over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you brought up Chris Kunitz who, um, had basically been a healthy scratch for the majority of the last couple of weeks. And they, they, uh, uh, you know, let him back in the lineup the other night and he, you know, <laughs> I don't think we need to rehash that. It was, I honestly don't think it was a intentional play. I don't think he, he had intent to injure. It was just a reckless play and probably a little bit of frustration, probably a little bit of, I'm in, you know, I'm getting my first chance in a while and I got to do something and yeah, got that elbow up way beyond where it should have been and, uh, caused some pretty serious damage, not only to the opposing player, but to the Blackhawks chances of winning that game. That's, I was going to, you know, bring that up too, because at the past couple games, it really seems like the, especially for the veteran players, the frustration is really boiling over. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mention it in the recap, but on Saturday night in Nashville, uh, Duncan Keith finally, like, I, I, was, I don't want to say exploded, but <laughs> he had, like, an eruption of rage. Yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, we had kind of talked about it the last couple of weeks. Duncan Keith has really been struggling with the transition to the new system, and there have been several instances where guys have simply just blown past him. Um. And, uh, yeah, I think some of that frustration boiled over a little bit. He got, uh, uh, he suffered a bit of a cheap shot against him that went uncalled by the referee and he just, he erupted and, you know, uh, he defended himself. Um, it was nice to see Debrinkit step in there, uh, and try to do something, you know, despite the fact that he's the smallest guy out on the ice pretty much anytime he's, you know, regardless of who they're playing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Blackhawks don't really have 
um, those type of players. Although we have seen Brandon Manning step up a couple of times here over the last uh, week or so, where he's trying to um, provide a little bit of physicality, hopefully, you know, maybe give the team a little bit of a jolt. Um, he's been, uh, I guess we'll call it frisky in front of the net and actually defending his, def- his goaltenders a little bit. Uh, Martinson's kind of fallen off in that regard the last couple of weeks. We haven't seen him be quite the uh, wrecking ball. He was there for a little while when Colleton took over. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I think that was part of the reason why they probably put Kunitz back in there was, um, you know, he would be motivated, but, um, you know, obviously he crossed the line and, uh, you know, basically caused them that cost them that game. Uh, but you know, the other part of this too, was we finally saw Colleton kind of, uh, um, lay down the law a little bit, um, the Nashville game was, you know, just a disaster. Um, I mean, let, let, let's be, let's start yeah, let's, to that game. You yeah, had, I was gonna say, let's be, I'm going to say that real quick. I'll cut you up, but then I know you're going to go into the lineup a little bit, but that like, let's be honest about that Nashville game. If Nashville had kept the pedal down, it would have gotten very ugly. They pretty oh, much yeah. packed it in. Yeah, the the start of that game was very embarrassing for the Blackhawks. The uh, Gustafson Forsling combo in the on the back end um, was just simply way too soft. Um, Gustafson, in particular, um, they gave up that pairing gave up a couple of goals in the first period, and those goals came on instances where. Gustafson was right next to the guy that was shooting and didn't really put up much of a fight. Didn't have a stick in the lane. Didn't have his body on the guy. Didn't try to block the shot. And then Forsling was having trouble uh, clearing the front of the net. Um, Now those two did end up playing quite a bit in that game because that uh, happened to be the game where Duncan Keith got thrown out. So you know, you're down to five defensemen. Somebody's got to play. You're not going to bench a guy in that situation and play, you know, force the other four guys to pick up, you know, the entire game. So uh, Gustafson actually did play quite a bit that game, but he was uh, healthy scratched in the next, in the next game. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, Allerton has leaned on quite heavily since he took over his ice time has increased. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was quite clear, uh, that it was a very poor performance by Gustafson and he deserved to sit in the next game. And so that was, that was at least good to see in that regard. Uh, hopefully that will snap Gustafson out of it. You know, he's the guy that was starting to contribute some offensively and, you know, he's always going to be an adventure a little bit in the defensive zone, but you know, you, you can, uh, you can live with mistakes of aggressiveness, but what we saw in that Nashville game was uh, mistakes of passivity and uh, just well, soft thing, play. Yeah. One thing you noticed in that, which I don't know how much of it you watched the Saturday game, but mm-hmm. Eddie Olchek was like, he's had his end of his rope. I mean, I've yeah. never heard Eddie Olchek go after the team like that. And even Pat Foley was joining it. And right. I've never seen that before, like to that level. 
Yeah, they've they've been um, with greater frequency bringing up the lack of intensity and lack of toughness on the team. Uh, That was a common theme with Nick Schmaltz over his last couple of weeks with the team. Uh, Olchek was bringing that up with quite frequent, quite frequently the amount of times where Nick Schmaltz was basically bailing out along the boards and giving up the puck uh, to avoid contact. And um, I I think, uh, you know, that's something we've, I shouldn't say Gustafson generally doesn't bail out, but he doesn't always play as he, he can be too easy to knock off the puck uh, along the board sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, in that game, he was, he was just, it was soft. It was embarrassing. Uh, you, you can't play that way at the NHL level. And, uh, um, yeah, Olchek was definitely focusing in on him and, a, you know, a few other players, um, you know, and it, it, you know, it's, it is extending to, you know, some of the star players too. I mean, we we're, we're seeing Patrick Kane, um, really drifting in the defensive zone quite a bit. I mean, he, he, he's never been a guy that expends a lot of energy in that, but he seems to be somebody where he's caught in between a lot right now. I, I think he's one guy that's struggling a little bit with the man to man coverage, uh, which probably requires a little bit extra energy being expended by the wingers. And, uh, you know, Kane's a guy that's always tried to reserve his energy for the offensive zone as much as possible. And uh, I, there's been a couple of instances where he's just been standing around in the D zone where when, you know, he can't be doing that. Well, I was going to ask about with Kane, too. Um, one thing I've noticed is Colleton... He plays Kane like a lot more, especially like on power plays, but he's giving him a lot more, you know, ice time and mm-hmm. it's not seeming his production is seeming to drop. So I'm wondering if maybe they should stop with the, you know, heavy minute loads for Kane. Um, yeah, I, my one comment on that is the Blackhawks have been down a lot and Quenville always deployed, Kane in a other than the power play where Kane was doing the full two minute thing, which I'm not a fan of, and I I, I would like to see Colleton stop that. And I, I think in the last game he didn't do that. I, I, Kane was kind of coming off during the power play uh, at a normal interval in that in that last game. So I'm hoping that hoping that uh, experiment is over. But as far as the five on five, uh, whenever the Blackhawks have been down, Quenville never hesitated to double shift Kane. Uh, he, he would almost always replace a guy on the fourth line. Um, but the reason why it seems consistent under Colleton is the Blackhawks have been losing every game. So, you know, we don't have those games mixed in there where, you know, the Blackhawks are leading and you're not forced to double shift Kane. So, you know, I think it's just one of those instances where they've been trying to, you know, get that win to kind of break this, the doldrums and it, it, it's kind of going into a feedback loop where we're playing Kane a lot to try and get that win, but then we don't get the win. And so the next game we're behind again and he play Kane a lot to try to get that win. But at this point, you're probably to the point where you're tiring him out a little bit. Well, you know, that's actually a, 
another thing we could lead to is that these, like, I don't, the defensive, like, transition obviously is not working great, but the start of these games, I don't know what's going on. They give up a goal every game at the start. Like, within, yeah. like, five minutes, it's like you're down 2 nothing, and it's, it's really hard to win any games doing that. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't consistently come from behind in, in pretty much any sport, but the NHL in particular is always, that's, that's always been a challenging um, uh, struggle for, for any team. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly have no explanation for it. Is it just uh, like they're not like ready to start? They're not, are they not enthusiastic about the start of the game or? Specific, you know, I, at this point, it's one of those things where it's like it's almost impossible where they wouldn't have gotten, you know, I mean, they have to at this point, they have to be going into every game saying to themselves, we have to get off to a better start. We need to show more energy. We need to not be stupid and have these breakdowns right away. And they're either psyching themselves out or. I honestly, it just, it, it kind of boggles my mind. Cause it, and it's not always even an energy thing. I think there have been some instances where they've come out and the energy level has been fine, but somebody does a, it's, you know, somebody commits a stupid turnover or there's a defensive zone breakdown and you know, the opposing team scores. And I think it just kind of lets the air out, you know, well, it might just be something as simple as they're just not very good. Yeah, I mean, and when the yeah when the other team wants to score, and they're coming out with an all-out effort to score to start the game, they don't try to, and then you get this kind of dynamic where you you're ahead three nothing or two you know three one, and you kind of sit back on the lead the other team. So it looks like the Blackhawks are playing better, but if they were ever yeah if they were ever ahead, the other team would turn it on and score right away. Right. Yeah. There there is definitely, and that has you know it's been something we've talked about before you know, over the last couple of podcasts where, Oh, you know, the Blackhawks fell behind, but then they, Oh yeah. You know, they, they, they showed a little life late and, you know, got the game close. But, you know, like you said, if it was actually a close game throughout those, you know, that other team would be keeping their foot on the pedal. And I just, yeah, it's, you know, we talk about it every week. The Blackhawks don't have enough depth at forward. They don't have enough guys that can actually threaten offensively. We're we're basically icing eight NHL caliber forwards. And that's what I'm saying. And you see like the Vegas game, they did keep their foot on the pedal and they got eight goals. And you wonder if like Nashville, if they had done that, because Nashville really laid up. I don't Well, and part of it too with Nashville and part, and one of the reasons why that game was especially embarrassing, Nashville was basically missing half of their top six. Forsberg was out. Turris was out. Subban was out. Uh, I think Arvidsson was out too. Yeah. Arvidsson was out. Yeah. So yeah, three of their top six forwards and their best defensemen not playing. And they still wiped the the floor with the Blackhawks. It was, yeah. Well, I guess we should, we'll do a little update on, um, the trade. Uh, yeah. What do you think of Strom and Perlini so far? Uh, we've seen the flashes from Strom. Um, he's obviously scored a couple of goals. Gotten, you know, he's uh, not quite at a point per game. He, he had the two point game, and then he, he went scoreless for a couple of games. But then he, he scored in the last game. So I think he's got three points in, in his four games. 
you know, I, I don't really have much to add to what my first impressions were in that once he gets up to speed, I think he moves fine through the neutral zone and you're seeing a little bit of creativity out of him. It's the plays within short areas where you need the the bursts and the acceleration and the, the quickness where he's struggling and uh, especially in the defensive zone, he's been um, victimized a few times within 10 feet of the net where he's standing right next to the guy that ends up scoring. Well, yeah. And he the, doesn't and get the, a stick on, you know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. check the other guy. Well, that's, that's good. I was going to say that because we were talking about the Kane, uh, Dubrinkit, Strom line. And let, let's be honest. Um, Defensively, that line was a disaster. Yeah, especially yeah. against Winnipeg, they just got lit up. Yeah, I mean, Debrinket had—he was a very streaky scorer last year, and he's definitely hit a one of his funks this year, kind of for the first time. Uh, hasn't been real good. Uh, I, I, I think, I think he's a guy that's that's, you know, that lack of scoring has maybe dinged his confidence a little bit, and he's not quite playing with the same. Uh, energy that he was earlier in the year. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, once a couple of goals go in for him, uh, that that'll uh, pick back up. But yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about Kane a little bit where he's been standing around caught in between quite a bit, but yeah, Strom, uh, he's been getting victimized a little bit down low defensively. And uh, it's, it, it's been a struggle for him in that regard. I, I you know, it's still too early to say that that's, you know, going to be his ultimate fate. But, you know, I think you're seeing why he wasn't being played a lot of minutes in Arizona for a team that was, you know, trying to be competitive. Um, you know, the Blackhawks at this point uh, are going to be able to give him a little bit more of a leash and let him, uh, you know, hopefully learn on the fly here. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, we're seeing a, a, a few concerns. Uh, he hasn't been winning face-offs, which has not been historically has not been an issue for him, but he struggled with the Blackhawks in that regard. Um, you know, but we, we have, he, he has shown some, some skill around the net. Uh, he's getting some shots. He, he, he is making a little bit happen offensively. Um, but you know, you do got to worry a little bit is his skating going to be an issue in the defensive zone? And if it is, you know, he might be one of those guys where, you know, regardless of how good he is on face-offs, regardless of what he can do for you in the offensive zone, uh, he might be a guy that you're forced to move to wing if he can't, uh, you know, play that full 200 foot game reliably. So, but you know, it's still very early. Uh, like I said, I, I the Blackhawks are going to have the ability to just stick him in either the second or the third center position, depending on how he's playing and give him a decent amount of minutes and just, just see how it plays out. And then, yeah. uh, you know, later on or over the off season, they can adjust if, if need be, if he's not, if he's not learning there. Uh, and then as far as Perlini goes, he's been invisible. Yeah. I was, I was about to say like, I, the only thing I can say is there, I don't know what to say about him. He's, 
hasn't done anything. So yeah, yeah, and that's been that was the you know an issue with him in in Phoenix this year was you know he just wasn't showing up on the score sheet and you know he wasn't showing up in games enough for them where you felt like that breakthrough was coming through. So I don't know if it's a lack of confidence at this point or if he's just in a funk. Um, cause he has been a guy that scored some goals in the NHL before. So, you know, he's, he's got the size and the speed and the shot where you'd kind of like to see him play in the same kind of vein that we're seeing Brandon Saad perform in the last, you know, month of the season or so here. Saad's really gotten his game going. Um, I don't think uh, Perlini has quite the uh, puck control that Saad has. So, um, you know, you're not going to see quite the, the the puck possession game that you can get out of Saad, but you would like to see him drive to the net a little more. Um, but, I, you know... I don't think the Blackhawks are doing him any favors by putting him on the top line with Taves. I mean, I guess it was a decent experiment to try once or twice, but um, Perlini's just not skilled enough, I don't think, to be able to handle going up against, you know, the opposing team's best defenseman. Um, He's going to be a guy that you want, you know, on the third line maybe, where he's going to get to go up against the, you know, the third pairing on the defense where he might just be able to use his natural size and speed to blow past some, you know, an older defenseman or, you know, an inexperienced guy that he can kind of take advantage of and then chip in some, you know, goals that way. Yeah. And he, he, um, wasn't, I don't think he wasn't, um, they took him off that line for the last, the game against Calgary. And they actually did a, they put a cane on the line with a comp and, Cahoon, yeah, they really juggled the, yeah. the lines for that game, which is probably good. Yeah, it's it's going to be a constant juggle um, just because they, you know, they don't have enough guys. They're going to have to occasionally group together the, whoever's got the hot hand um, or split apart the guys that have the hot hand just to, you know, try to keep more than one line active in a game. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a long year. Um, you know, I, I, I do keep coming back to the fact that at least the games aren't boring. There's a lot of action. It's going to be hard to watch in the fact that they're going to lose a lot of games, but it, it's at least not going to be, you know, the two yeah. one snooze fests. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of one, nothing trap them out type of thing. Right. That's for sure. Um, you know, actually is another thing I was going to, um, uh, bring up it's like now has got to be the time i mean maybe wait another week or two but let's bring up like sakura and let's let's get them all up here i mean this yeah isn't going anywhere it might be time um you know at the very least you got to get sakura up uh, i don't know that there's really anybody else that's deserving at this point um i mean they're gonna get murphy murphy was cleared for contact uh just today so he's, you know, going to be a full participant in practice. So he'll be getting into games here uh, probably within the next week or so, um, which will hopefully give a little bit of a boost to the defense. Um, but that's going to leave them with eight defensemen. So somebody's got to go down or, you know, hopefully it's, 
I, you know, honestly, I don't even know at this point. I, I, I would like to see Forsling continue to play. I'd like to see Gustafson continue to play, but I, you know, they're not going to pull the plug on Manning at this point. So I don't, I don't really know what they're going to end up doing. I'm afraid they're going to send Forsling down for a little while, which I mean, not going to be the end of the world. Forsling hasn't really done anything special, but um, you know, I'd still rather see him play than Manning, but uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully get Sakura up. Uh, Edsel shown a little bit better, I guess the last couple of weeks, but uh, he hasn't, he hasn't really done enough to actually deserve playing time. Highmore got hurt. So he's not an option. Um, and uh, Anthony Lewis is an, uh, is another guy that gets mentioned. He's one of the few guys down there that's, that's scoring a little bit, but he's another little guy. And I mean, I guess. Okay. You know, you, but Sakura is a little guy already. Um, you know, the, I guess the Blackhawks did add a little bit of size in the trade with, you know, getting Strom and Perlini. So maybe it's not going to be quite as bad to bring up a couple of little guys, but I, I don't know. I, I Sakura, he's a perimeter player, um, which is not something that the Blackhawks need. And, uh, so I, he's just not going to be able to do enough, you know, on his own to, you know, to, to break the Hawks out of any kind of funk. Um, but you know, he's, he's definitely better than seeing, you know, Marcus Kruger at this point. Uh, so, or Chris Kunitz, you know, whoever, um, but yeah, um, there's no saviors. And now, uh, with the, uh, you know, uh, the Seattle expansion agreement coming in, um, that, uh, that expansion year is going to be, t- uh, 2021, uh, which means that the expansion draft is going to be using the same rules as the Vegas one. And so any of their junior players or their college players, their European players that, um, prospects that they might've considered, uh, signing at the end of the year and letting them get in a couple of games like they did with Sakura last year and Edsel last year in that, uh, they're not going to want to do that this year. Cause if they play those guys this year, they're going to be eligible for the expansion draft in three years. Um, and they'd like to be able to not have to protect those guys. Um, so the guys like Boquist, uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, Evan Barrett, uh, those type of players who've been having good, uh, um, you know, junior seasons or college seasons, uh, they're going to wait until next year to actually sign. Well, some of them are signed already, but uh, you don't want to put them into the NHL lineup and uh, burn the first year of their entry level contract. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a a long year. Uh, If the Blackhawks actually start, suffering some injuries the lineup is going to be frighteningly thin yeah I was gonna, oh. you know it kind of exposes like when you're talking i was just thinking like this really exposes like especially the forwards the lack of like depth in their minor league system mm-hmm. there just aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of young guys that are just like knocking down the door it's like there we don't really have that much to offer you right now kind of thing yeah, I mean, help for this year is basically Sakura. That's 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 what we got. Um, 
Um, next year, I think you are going to see an influx of several guys. Uh, I mean, Boquist is going to get a shot. Ian Mitchell is probably going to get a shot. And so is Baudin. I, I, they're not going to put all three of those guys in. You're not going to play three, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old defensemen, I guess four, if you count Yoki, are you, they're just not going to do that. But at least one of them will get into the lineup, you know, on a full-time basis. And then the other two will probably be um, down in the AHL and, you know, maybe uh, shuttling back and forth a little bit to get a little bit of experience. And then as far as the forwards, um, you know, you hope Sakura uh, gets his exposure this year and maybe becomes a full-time guy next year or potentially becomes a trade piece to get a different, you know, full-time player. Um, and then uh, I brought up Evan Barrett, who has been having a fantastic season uh, in the Big Ten for Penn State. Uh, he's leading the NCAA in scoring. Uh, that's not really the role that's envisioned for him uh, at the NHL level. Um, I think he's more going to be kind of the Dave Bolin type, where he's a bit of an agitator that can still chip in offensively sort of thing. Uh, but the start that he's gotten off to is pretty phenomenal. And so, you know, like I said, I, th- I had the expansion stuff not come through today. Uh, I think there would have been a chance that you, you know, we would have saw Barrett get signed at the end of the year and get in a couple of games. But I, I think now it's probably more likely that they wait till the off season to sign him. And then uh, he'll, he'll get a chance to kind of be a potential third line center next year. But you, you forgot the big question though. Hmm. Where are we going to put Jack Hughes? Well, yeah. We well, I, you know, I'd settle for um, for uh, Capo Caco too. Uh, the, those are the two guys that, yeah, at this point, we're we're, we're kind of hoping for. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I I think I saw if the, you know, where they're at right now, they'd have like a twenty five percent chance at, you know, finishing in the top two in the draft. Um, you know, at this point, the the way the draft is kind of shaking out from what I've seen, you got Hughes as your consensus number one. Uh, Kako seems to be slotting in as a the pretty solid number two. Um, you know, neither one of those guys is the you know the generational type like a McDavid. You're probably not even talking a Austin Matthews level. But, you know, you're probably talking maybe like a Jack Eichel level type player for um, for Jack Hughes where, you know, could probably step in right away, be at least a second line center for you and potentially even a first line. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're hoping for the for those ping pong balls, but um at least for the Blackhawks, it's the, the draft does shape up pretty well for them in that the last couple of years, they've done a good job of drafting some defensive prospects. And now this year and, and then actually in 2020, the drafts at the top of the draft are much more slanted toward the forwards, which is where the Blackhawks are going to need to, um, you know, start adding some depth and add another, hopefully a premier um, talent up front. And so even if they don't end up in the, in the top two next year, which 
you know, with the way that they've changed the rules, uh, you know, even if you finish with the worst record, you know, there's a decent chance that you're not going to get the first or the second pick. Um, so even if they don't get one of those two, there's a group of like five or six um, forwards, most of whom play def- or most of whom play center. Um, some of them are big power forwards. Um, and then there's a couple of, you know, quicker, more dynamic guys as well. Um, you basically, they got to get somebody that's can play at forward or center or anything. So they can't yeah. really be anything they get will probably be an improvement. And, right. And, you know, honestly, it's not even a big deal if they end up getting a defenseman too. I mean, you can never have too many defensemen and, you know, as, as nice as Yoki Haru has looked as good as Boquist has been coming on in, in, the last couple of weeks in juniors, he's really starting to score a lot of goals and um, playing the way that you'd hoped he would uh, kind of develop there. Um, and the same with Ian Mitchell, he's having a good NCAA season. They're still not real, real deep on the left side. I mean, you still got Keith who you assume is going to be around for a while, unless, you know, they just go full on rebuild, which I think is doubtful. Um, so you got, you're going to have Keith and then, you know, you're hoping Wadan and Forsling, you know, would maybe be your other two lefties, but, um, you know, there's certainly room for improvement there too. So, you know, if the right guy is there, you don't mind getting a, you know, another defenseman, but, uh, yeah, uh, the Blackhawks are desperate for some forward. Um, and well, I guess, you know, too, um, we, uh, there's we've been in these times before. It's been a mm-hmm. while, but there were yeah. many consecutive season where they were over by about now. So I guess yep. rely on that old, old two thousands, early two thousands. Yep. Memories. Cause well, and the thing that I'm hopeful about is they've kind of positioned themselves in the same way that they did back then. Um, a lot of people probably don't remember at this point, but, uh, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook were both brought in, were both drafted by the Mike Smith regime at the end of his tenure. And they got those two guys in place. Uh, James Wisniewski was another guy, um, where they started building up NHL caliber defensive depth in their prospect pool. Cause those guys generally take a little bit longer. So it's awesome. So it's really nice to be able to get those guys first. And yeah, then they started bringing in, the, you know, then they started bringing in the Taves and the Kane and yes. you know, those type of guys. Cause I don't know if people and, remember that, that they were Keith and Seabrook were playing in like Oh five and Oh six with like really terrible. Eric Daze, I think was a teammate of theirs. And yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember yeah, I don't uh, think Seabrook like sprained his knee or whatever. And, that was like oh five oh six, and I was thinking, man, they finally get a good defense, good young defenseman, and he got hurt, but he came back. But yeah, they were there before the turnaround yep. really started. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, it was a three GM, you know, build up, you know, to get to their championship level clubs. Uh, um, you know, Keith and Seabrook. Uh, I want to say Crawford. And a couple of the other guys from the first cup run were, were drafted by Smith before he got fired. And then, 
uh, you know, Talon came in and uh, he got the Taves and the Kane pick. Um, but then he also drafted freaking Jack Skilly and Cam Barker and a couple of other crappy players, yeah. Kyle Beach. Um, yeah, you know, Kyle other Beach. other than uh, the, the, the Taves and the Kane picks, uh, Talon's first round picks were pretty disastrous. Um, but he did uh, nail several middle round picks and stuff like uh, I want to say like Boland and uh, Bickle and um, Brower. Uh, you know, a few other guys like that. Uh, they they were yeah, able people to... don't remember that though. Now that yeah, Cam Barker was number three overall pick. Yep. Oh, yep. That was uh, you know, it, not to be too hard on Cam Barker, but that was a, you know kind of in that transition period from the old NHL to the to the newer NHL where. Um, Barker was a, a bigger guy that didn't move real well. Yeah, he would have been great. He would have been like a, probably been a better player, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands than he was, you know, what he ended up being in the post lockout post lockout NHL. Um but yeah, I mean like the Jack Skilly draft pick and the Kyle Beach draft pick, those were very disappointing. Um, and, uh, but Hey, you know, obviously it all worked out. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they obviously, uh, fortified all that with some good trades, you know, to get Patrick Sharp and Christopher Stieg and a couple of guys like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the Blackhawks are kind of going down the same path with, you know, the recent good, uh, defensive draft picks. And then, you know, Hey, maybe, uh, the uh, Dylan Strom, Brandon Perlini trade is the uh, precursor to, you know, maybe one of those guys turns into Patrick Sharp. I doubt it, but hey, that's the hope. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, I guess I'll let you do the preview for the upcoming games this week. Sure. Uh, It's going to be a uh, uh, busy next couple of days. Uh, uh, We're recording on Tuesday. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, tomorrow, uh, we get to face off against the ducks again. Uh, that was one of the Blackhawks better games. Uh, one of their few good games this year, uh, came early against the ducks. Um, but, uh, they've, uh, picked up their play a little bit. Um, a couple of their injured players have come back. So their lineup's a little deeper than it was. Um, so that's going to be a tough one. And then, uh, the next night, uh, they got the, Vegas Golden Knights again, who, uh, you know, we just talked about, uh, a week ago, really wiped the floor with the Blackhawks. Uh, the speed for the Knights was a big problem for the Hawks. Uh, Anaheim's a little slower, so I, that's going to be a better matchup for the Hawks, uh, especially as they are, you know, still working into their new defensive system. If you have some breakdowns, uh, Anaheim's less likely to be able to you know, take advantage of those, uh, whereas the Knights, uh, you know, can exploit any holes that you have. And then uh, they do get a couple of days off, and uh, then uh, they'll uh, they'll have uh, Montreal at home on Sunday night. Uh, haven't played the Canadians yet, 
uh, they've, they've had a little bit of a, a bounce back season. Uh, they made a, a, a good trade with Arizona uh, that yielded them uh, Max Domi, who they moved to center. And uh, he's, he's kind of helped uh, solve a problem for them. They also drafted uh, uh, Jesperi uh, Cote Kenyemi uh, with like the fourth, third or fourth pick in the draft this year. And he's helped their center depth as well. Uh, so they're playing better hockey than they were last year when they were one of the worst teams in the league. And then, uh, well, I guess they also play next Tuesday. So I guess it depends on when we record because they actually play next Tuesday and next Wednesday. Uh, but next Tuesday they play in in Winnipeg. And uh, the Jets are obviously still one of the better teams in the Central. Uh, very dangerous team. Uh, Nikolai uh, Ehlers uh, really stuck it to the Blackhawks the last time they played. He was all over the ice. Um and uh, they've been playing without Bufflin, and uh, that's an issue for them because they're not quite as deep on defense as uh, I think they probably need to be to be a legit Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, so, they, they their defense looked um, pretty bad actually against the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's week, it's so. pretty pedestrian. Um, they I, I think that's their one their one need. Uh, if they can fix that at the deadline, just get one top four guy that they can really rely on. I think that um, that could maybe make them the best team in the West because um, their forward group is really good, uh, especially their top six. And uh, yeah, so it's well, going to be I a guess tough it's a, week. Well, they're all going to be tough weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like going right, forward. Right? Yeah. Um, honestly, I guess you can do uh, – Wednesday, since they're playing on Wednesday, I guess we'll have to record it on Thursday. I'll let the listeners get into our little planning session. Uh-huh. Well the Wednesday game. Okay, so uh, that is against uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and that's a home game. So they got a back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, the Winnipeg game is on the road. Pittsburgh is going to be back home in Chicago. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of uh, backsliding the same way that the Hawks are. Uh, that core is aging a little bit, and they haven't uh, really developed the next wave of young players to, you know, sort of uh, fill out their roster. And uh, you know, they're still obviously a very dangerous team. Um, at this point, they're still better than the Blackhawks. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, like I said, there are no easy games from this point down out with the way the Blackhawks are playing. Yeah, all you really want to see is just like improved play. Like, yeah, you want yeah, to see, you wanna better, s- you wanna see them figure out the system more consistently. And you don't want, you want to make sure that you see guys are buying into Colleton as, as a leader and somebody to take seriously. You don't want to see the soft play. You want to see these guys continue to be trying and, uh, you know, hopefully building into, you know, what could could be a, a quick turnaround if you get the right, if you hit on the right draft pick and, you know, a couple of these defensive prospects uh, hit early. Because um, if that stuff doesn't happen, you know, then uh, I think at this point next year, if, if you're not seeing some positive signs, uh, I, I think is when you'd see a more 
thorough um, rebuild effort, you know, complete yeah. tear down, I think is when you'd start considering it then as kind of midpoint next year. Yeah. If it wasn't not working next year, then yeah. yeah. But um, I guess that's all we'll look forward to. Uh, of course, uh, I'm ST, STH85 on Twitter and Michael. I am MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And uh, we're on iTunes mm-hmm. for uh, those in, you know, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and rate it. And uh, we will be back next Thursday or Friday. So, yeah, it's a busy week. So, yep. again, thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs>